And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Rates and Barrels, episode number 157, playoff episode number 15. Yeah, we're getting up there. It's Friday, October 16th. On this episode, we discuss... The Astros, or my Astros, as they're now known on this show, while they're incapable of winning the ALCS in six games, they did extend the series another day. Eno and Britt hear footsteps. I know they're worried about their predictions. We'll talk about how that happened. We'll talk about both teams' decision to bullpen their way through Game 5 and what that means for the rest of the series. We'll also talk about the Braves taking a 3-1 lead over the Dodgers. It came with a gem from Bryce Wilson. None of us saw that coming. And an all-too-familiar pattern from an all-time great. So, you know, Britt, let's start with the Astros. Rays, plenty of drama. The Astros opened it up with a leadoff homer from George Springer. It ended with a Carlos Correa walk-off, but there were a lot of swings throughout this game, and everything kind of was coming up Rays again. Because G-Man Choi hit a home run to tie the game in the 8th, enabling the Rays to go from the JV relievers to the varsity closer in Nick Anderson. And it was Anderson who actually served up that game-winning home run to Correa. So things went about as well as they could for the Rays into the late innings, and the Astros actually came out on top. That is not the way this series has been going uh, in previous instances where there's been a toss-up, it seems like just about every bounce possible has gone Tampa Bay's way. So the good news for the Rays is they have Blake Snell going on regular rest for Game 6, right? They didn't push him on short rest. We talked about this as one of the options, and now they should have a higher win probability in each of the next two games than if they had thrown Snell in Game 5 and then still found a way to lose. So... Seeing how the first part of the plan has played out, how do you feel about the Rays' decision to go ahead and bullpen it in Game 5? I think it could be bad because remember the first two games of this series? We talked about this. They're really evenly matched. The Rays now have rested starters, so do the Astros, and both of those guys pitched really well. Right Now you get Fromber, now you get McCullers if they force a 7. What's crazy to me is that they're only the fourth team that's been down 3-0 to even force a game six. So I'm not going to say we're getting into 2004 Red Sox territory, but we're kind of getting into 2004 Red Sox territory. And I don't know if this is a game, certainly if the Rays lose, this is a game we're going to look back on and be like, ooh, should they have done something different, right? This seems like it could be the turning point one way or the other. Personally, I loved it. Because as we've talked about on this podcast, the longer the series goes, the more drama there is. <laughs> Carlos Correa, who has not admitted, who has like not, 
Yeah, like Carlos Correa has kind of been public enemy number one lately. Like he doesn't understand why no one likes the Astros. He hasn't backed down at all. Keeps stay, saying dumb things in public. Exactly, <laughs> and and he tells Baker like Dusty Baker, hey, I'm going to win this game, and he does it, and yeah. it just adds to this narrative, right? Like the drama above all else ha- has been terrific. I have to push back a little bit because I would just say that where do you smell? Right. So like you're saying, like, let's put the 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 foot on the neck. Right. They got they got there three three. They used their closer. I mean. They did it. They did. It. All I'm saying is like you you could have used Snell and come up with the, the same thing could have happened. You know what I mean? Like I, I and now you have Snell on, on better rest. So uh, if if. Like Aaron Slagers, like he he got eight outs. If he had given up the homer, then I think I'd be more ready to agree with you. You know what I mean? Because that would have been where you Snell. That would you've been like, oh, you know what? It's a tight game. Let's throw Snell in there and let's win this. But they used Slagers. They got through it. Nick Anderson could have shut the door down, or he or or he didn't. I mean, he didn't. But I don't know. They they kept this as close as they could. And they lost, and yet they still tomorrow have Snell on on regular rest, Diego Diego Castillo rested, and Peter Fairbanks. I, th- I he says Pete, call him Pete. Yeah, it's Pete. It's Pete. oh, it's Pete. It's Pete. Oh, good to know. So Pete, but the Fairbanks. Astros have their best starter. He's been their best. The Astros have their their best pitcher going. He's been uh, their best pitcher. That's Not okay. Nice. That's okay. I mean, I think it might be a low scoring game, but like you still have Snell. Everyone's better on more rest. I mean, that's that's been shown, sure. you know. So like, you have Snell on regular rest, and you have Diego Castillo and Fairbanks. That together is probably seven innings on the lower. But end. they made a lot of hard contact against. I know it doesn't show up in the box score, but remember we talked about man, the Astros should have really tattooed those first two games. They should have had a lot more runs. They had a ton of hard contact against Blake Snell. But I mean, it's not. Yeah. It's not Charlie Morton. Morton had the worst. Right. But Lance McCullers should have also won his. If they force a game seven, this, I mean, this has already gotten interesting. If they somehow hit Snell and those balls that did not find homes, find some homes. I think this is, this, this is, this series was never supposed to be this close. It's true. It's true. It's true. They now have (laughs) Frauber. It's true. (laughs) But look how many people the Astros used. Luis Garcia, Blake Taylor, and only parade is for five outs. Andre Scrub, Brooks Raley, Josh James. I mean, like Ryan Presley for four outs. Who do they go to when Fromber's tired tomorrow? They need Fromber to pitch really well to yes. keep yeah, that bullpen like from being overexposed seven in game innings. seven. Like if they, yes. because they'll have to go to some of those guys again after Valdez leaves the game. Some of those guys are absolutely in their small circle of trust of relievers they or want to win use. game seven. Like, you can't pitch them in this game and in the Fromber game and in game seven. You know what I mean? Like, you're pushing it if you like, do, right. for sure. Somebody will be, some of them will fall apart. So, you know, this is, I, I still see genius in the Rays. The Rays kept this close, almost could have won it, and didn't use Diego Castillo and Pete Fairbanks. I think, you know, they did, they did fine. I think they're fine. They feel fine. And I want to point one last thing out. I know Brandon Lau only had one homer, but he had two hard hits and two hard hits is more hard hits than he's had in like a month. 
So I feel Wait a second. Like, so you're counting his hard hits, but not the Astros hard uh, hits against Blake Snell. <laughs> you got me. You got me. You got me. Good one. No, but I'm just saying, like, they need somebody other than Randy. Randy hit a homer, but, like, Brandon showed some shines of, signs of life. Willie Thomas had three hard hits in game four. So, like, if some of these other guys come to life, then there's a chance that that the Rays do something other than Randy. And their pitching is about to get better. So, and they only need to win one of two. Yeah, and I would say in the game tomorrow, in game six, Snell versus Framber Valdez. I know Framber Valdez has pitched well this postseason. He pitched well throughout this short and regular season. He's a different guy than he was a year ago. And we can buy that this is largely legitimate skills growth. But we're still talking about a guy that has less than a half season's worth of high-quality big league innings. You know, if you go back to 2019 Fromber, walks were a major problem. Even keeping the ball in the park was a little bit of a problem for him. He wasn't striking guys out at quite the same clip that he is right now. So I think the other part of all of this is just how good is Fromber Valdez? Like People are treating this like he's their ace because he's been going first in the series. I don't think he's really that much more than a mid-rotation guy despite how well he's pitched over the last three months. Except the underbelly of this is the Rays either homer or don't score. Yeah. So I think that's an important factor too. He's not facing the Braves lineup. And can I, can I point out one thing? I know there's like a million different stuff metrics and some people are even litigating about this. (laughs) They're bringing the law into this, but what (laughs) you missed. I had, I got, I got a cease and desist. Um, anyway, uh, there's there's another stuff metric out there uh, by... I don't know why you looked that up, though. For people that are just tuning in, Randy is Randy Rosarena. Ian over at one story about the guy, and now they're on first-name basis. We so know, just we're, so we're everyone knows. No, no, we're not buds at all. It's it's crazy. Well, you're right. Um, no, but uh, uh, I think his name is Jason... Anyway, Baseball Cloud. Uh, Baseball Cloud does some really cool R, uh, R stuff that people can do, like a spin axis and all this stuff. Baseballcloud.blog is a thing. Jason, I think his name is Lane, wrote, he has an XRV. It's like another stuff metric. And I just I just wanted to bring it up because Framber Valdez is number one. Now, he included location, so it's kind of like command plus stuff. But the number one arsenal in baseball was from Valdez. Number two is Tyler Glass now. So that, that's useful. Clayton Kershaw is number four. Dustin May is number five. All interesting things to our discussion. Pete Fairbanks, number 10. Walker Bueller, number 11. So uh, a lot of the players that we are talking about tonight are on this. But from Valdez is number one. I think that and when, when I look at my stuff metrics that I developed with Ethan Moore and Command Plus from Stap, he looks at like average. But there is this other one that says he's he's number one. And so what I think is that he's okay with stuff and his command is pretty good and the curveball that he has does not have a platoon split so he can use it against lefties and righties. Um, but I can't I still can't believe that someone who has two pitches is at the top of our craft. So I, I still think that Framber Valdez tomorrow is below Blake Snell in quality. Yeah, I'm with that. I, I'd say clear advantage to Snell, but it's not a landslide. It, it's Not a landslide. No, not definitely a landslide. not a landslide. Fromberg can hold his own. Uh, but I, I do think 
if the Rays can find a way to rack up the pitch count on Valdez and get him out after five instead of letting him go get six or seven, in there. get the bullpen in there a little bit earlier. It doesn't have to be super early, but just make sure that Fromber's not going six or seven because if he does, you've made your life so much more difficult trying to deal with the handful of actually really good Houston relievers instead of potentially fatigued members of the underbelly part of the Houston bullpen. Yeah, so I think I think the Rays are going to win. I still think it, it it looks a little bit worse now because the strikeouts are racking up. The offense isn't there. They've lost two in a row, but they only have to win one more. Everyone's kind of in good rest situations in the bullpen. The starting pitching is in good rest situations. They're going to get a shot with Blake Snell, Charlie Morton, regular rest. They're going to be able to work that bullpen. I still think it's the race. I agree with you for six. I think if it gets to a seven, mm. all bets are off, as we've seen. I think Charlie Morton probably isn't able to replicate some of the luck he had the yeah. last time around. That's a good point. And... So I, I do agree with you. You know, I still think the Rays win this series, but if they don't win tomorrow night, I'm going to have to switch over to Derek's Astros. How <laughs> <laughs> to change my pick. <laughs> I'm not moving, although I can't be right in terms of number of games. So I guess it's going to have to be Astros in seven. But um, I just think they are, their lineup is so dangerous, as good as that Rays bullpen is, as good as that pitching staff is. The Rays' inability to score runs without the long ball and having so few guys actually providing that pop is becoming a major issue. Uh, I don't want to see it go this way, but I actually think the Astros extend it to seven and actually win game seven on Saturday. Oh, Look, it's, it's, on you. it's 2020. Everything this year kind of sucks. And you, <laughs> you know, like we're not going to get the cool, fun outcome. Astros are going to win the World Series. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> if they win, will they have another tainted title? <laughs> They're going to rub the big piece of metal in everybody's faces, too. It sucks. Like <laughs> We're all going to sit here all winter just furious about it. I, you know, well, I, as much as we're like joking about it, there's, you know, I think Jose Altuve, there's, there's redeeming qualities about him. Um, you know, I, I think George Springer, the fact that he overcame stuttering, like I really, oh my gosh, <laughs> shut up. No, it's real. It's real. I know it's real, but it's a tired storyline that I've heard you've heard for the last no, four years not, now. Like, that makes it's him like Jose like Altuve. A cool person. He's short. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't bring I, up that Jose Altuve was short. <laughs> I mean, there's great stories everywhere, though, because, like, we talked about um, G-Man yeah. for Tampa Bay, and he, like, floated around for 10 years before That's he true. really got playing time. So That's a good point. Yeah, yes, I, I, I'm not anti-George Springer being an advocate for people who overcame stuttering, but <laughs> also... You think the he only sucks. good thing about that? <laughs> <laughs> only good thing about the Astros winning would be Dusty Baker cementing his Hall of Fame status. In my oh, opinion, I can get behind. I, that. I don't. Can't those those guys didn't get booed all year? None of those players had any retribution, and they're gonna win. Did you? No, no. Did you hear what there. happened? I don't. I think it was this game or the game before. Stephanie Epstein. Did you hear about? Did you see this tweet? Yes, 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 yes. There was somebody. But share it with everyone. There was somebody outside the stadium with like a little PA system that was yelling out, <laughs> "Carlos Correa, you are a cheater," <laughs> <laughs> and they could hear them in the stadium because it's so quiet. <laughs> 
mean, it kind of reminded me of like, did you guys ever watch Game of Thrones? (laughs) Yeah. Did you guys watch Game of Thrones when she does the walk and it's like shame, shame? That's exactly what it reminded me of. Did the shame walk? (laughs) Oh my god, I could totally imagine people walking around in San Diego. Somebody with like a little PA system. Oh god, that's great. All right, so Eno's sticking with the Rays. Are they getting it done Friday? Are they getting it done Saturday? I'm saying they're getting it done tomorrow. They got Castillo, Snell, and and Fairbanks. That's uh, to me. That's seven innings, eight innings. I think they can do it. And then <laughs> Britt's prediction was Rays in six, but if not that, then Astros in seven. <laughs> hey, you like that? If you pick everything, you're never wrong. Yeah, you just split sides. So, <laughs> so we'll get one and a half no, predictions think... right at this point. Uh, right, the series exactly. As a whole. Seems like a good way to just kind of split it down the middle uh and i'm still on the astro side seven instead of six just by default uh, interesting tweet i saw from smata smata underscore bb randy arose ran his last 545 plate appearances which have come since last season uh at all different levels including some at double a some at triple a a little bit in the big leagues of course last year and then this season second half of the regular season plus the playoffs 28 homers 23 stolen bases, 96 runs, 73 RBIs, a 342 average, a 383 OBP, a 608 slug, an 8.8% walk rate, and a 20% K rate. And I just said, imagine what he'll do in the next 545 now that he's got that push-up routine in. Stock <laughs> up. Project more. Like there's, there's another level here. There's a future first-rounder right in front of our faces and we're going to draft him probably in the sixth round of drafts in the spring instead so no i you know just to take a fancy tangent i think he's going to be overdrafted i think he's basically ramon lariano with like a slightly higher uh floor because i think the strikeout rate is better but this the, the stolen bases could go away they're not they're not there for good and the strikeout rate if it doesn't improve if it's there again at like 28% next year, 26%, then the batting average won't necessarily be there. Then he will be Ramon Laureano, even with the floor. So I, I think people should look at Ramon Laureano before they go head over heels. As much as I wrote the head over heels post about how much I love Randy Rosarena, <laughs> I, Randy. Still see, I still see Ramon Laureano as a, as a comp, as a real comp. I mean, this, these are guys that, that people thought were fourth outfielders. These are guys that have power and speed. Some people have worried about their plate discipline. These are guys that when, they, when they're when they right, they look like they're amazing. And when they're wrong, they look like, what are you talking about? So um, I, I just want people to put Ramon Laureano in their head. I drafted Ramon Laureano this year. I still think Ramon Laureano next year will be better. So I'm not saying he's bad. Um, I'm just saying first rounder is, is pretty aggressive, especially I'm not sure how much he's going to steal bases. But one thing that's cool, and I did I did uh, interact with uh, with a, with a professional about this. I think that that Randy Rosarena was a low ball hitter, and the evidence for that is the ground ball rates in the minor leagues. And then someone told him, and he told me this for the piece. He, someone told him to be more upright and raise his hands up, and he became a high ball hitter. So here's a guy who looks to hit the high fastball, looks to be a high ball hitter, can obviously murder the high fastball, and yet in his history is the low ball hitterness. So it's a pretty potent combo. And I think that's a little bit better maybe than Loriano 
because it's it's when you look at the history and the adjustments he's made, um, there's something there that really lines up with the league, what they're trying to do, and all that stuff. So, th- look today. You know what he did today? He hit a low fastball for a home run. That's supposed to be what you're supposed to do against him. You're supposed to maybe now try low fastballs because he hits the high fastballs. If he can hit the low fastball and the high fastball for home runs and he can hit breaking balls, I don't know what you do. Yeah, there's not a lot of easy ways to get somebody out if they can do all three of those things. And to clarify, future first rounder was a little bit, just a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Aggressive. But... <laughs> no, there was some. There was definitely some fantasy jokes going around about that. Just a little, yeah. I think some, some people might be taking it seriously. But look, he's a great player and a great story. And hopefully we'll see him playing even beyond this weekend. My prediction be damned. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's go to the National League, and uh, let's talk about this um, latest development with Clayton Kershaw in the postseason. A lot of hard-hit balls and a lot of criticism for Dave Roberts, and it just leads me to a question of how much of the when does Clayton Kershaw come out of the game decision go to Dave Roberts? Is it 100% him? Is it like 75% him? Like, Does he deserve all of the heat for the usage of Clayton Kershaw that he receives. No, the blame has to go all around, in my opinion, for the Dodgers on this loss. It can't just be on Clayton Kershaw, though he's the guy, and this isn't the seventh or eighth inning. This is the sixth inning. You kind of have to be able to get him to go by. The blame goes to Dave Roberts also for Azuna, who all of a sudden had woken up, you know, do you really, in that tight of a game, which Never. was tight at that point in time, want him to face a tired Never. Clayton Kershaw? Third time? Exactly. And then, to, to show you how how little relievers he has trust in, he goes to Gratterall, who basically does his best impression of, like, mm. Baez, and, and completely blows the game open. So, mm. And then the offense should not be exempt from this, because they should have absolutely tattooed this kid who had, what, seven? Was it seven career starts under his belt? For the, the, and they, the, um... they weren't good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so Those starts weren't good. That, right. Like, I get they scored 15 runs last night, but their offense has cons- consistently been a problem outside of that game, right? They have, they have been in these, they've had these huge outbursts and then these periods of nothing. And to me, everybody deserves blame for the Dodgers' mm. loss tonight. I don't think you can hang it on one person. It's on Dave Roberts. It's on Clayton Kershaw. It's on the bullpen. It's on the lineup. It's on all of them because this happens every year. It's a good point about making Bryce Wilson look like a superstar. I was 
trying to find comps. I was looking at the different movement, the pitch movement, and like the arsenal and stuff. And I found two comps for Bryce Wilson. And they made him look like one and not the other. So the two comps were Robert Giselman <laughs> and Lance Lynn. Okay. Well. They made they made Robert Giselman look like Lance Lynn tonight. And there's something going on there. They had, I don't know, it's sometimes it's luck. I mean, they had the bases loaded. They just didn't, there was a chance to get back in this. Yeah. Was and it the unfamiliarity with him, you think? There's something to that, especially if you if you think about it, like if you never faced Lance Lynn, if you never faced a guy who throws three fastballs, and all he does is throw three fastballs, and you keep waiting for the breaking ball or something. You know what I mean, like that right, was right. the kind of the genius for Bryce Wilson was it's just like I'm gonna throw the sinker, the cutter, the f- the four seam. None of these pitches is amazing by themselves, but like Lance Lynn, I'm gonna mix these all up and I'm gonna keep you off balance, and it was good enough. But and he stayed in the zone more than usual. Bryce Wilson also has more command than Kyle Wright. Like if you look at command plus, Bryce Wilson is average to above average. Kyle Wright is bad. So right. he used command. He used three fastballs. He made everyone was saying it's Lance Lynn. Why are you talking about Robert Zellman? I'm saying look at the results this year. It looks a lot more like Robert Zellman. Look at the future. It might look more like Robert Zellman. But uh, today he looked like Lance Lynn, and that is at least somewhat on on the Dodgers offense. I agree with you. I mean, there's a few things Agreed. about Wilson that I, I thought were kind of impressive. Like the velo is solid, average 95 on the four seamer, right? Mm-hmm. Got to the changeup and curveball enough too, and if you look at the CSW percentage, the called strikes and the whiffs. I mean, he was thirty-one percent with his four seamer, thirty-three percent with his changeup, forty percent with his curveball. It's really good. Like that's that's a good mix, right? Like I, I don't know is is this a case where maybe he brought a little more to the table than he had been previously? We talked about pitchers coming up with a, a different sort of game plan with Lance McCullers and what he did earlier in the ALCS, right? Is that a little bit of what happened with Wilson, that he just catched the Dodgers by surprise by going to those secondaries a little bit more often? Well, he did something because he needed 18 pitches to get through the first two innings. And to me, that was a big part of the game because we saw yesterday what happened. The Dodgers scored, put up double-digit runs in the first inning, and that whole game was a blowout. You've got a, a rookie, a kid who we all know is nervous out of his mind, not sure if he even belongs there, and to me, breezing through, you know, minus that that one, you know, solo home run early, breezing through those first two innings, not having a lot of traffic on base on the bases, you saw him kind of gain that confidence and that momentum. And if I'm the Dodgers and a veteran lineup, I, I was really disappointed with the quality of those at bats and the way they didn't make him work and they didn't put the pressure on him early. Because don't you guys think if they went out there and hung even three, four runs early, it would be very easy for the Braves to be like, oh, here we go again. We got a kid up there who doesn't know what he's here doing. Here comes Josh Tomlin. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just, it, to me, that, that really kind of set the tone for it. I don't know what the Dodgers' approach was. I don't know how much, you know, the unfamiliarity or his game plan, like you were saying. Let's give Bryce Wilson some credit. I mean, compared to his regular season, he was up a tick. You know, fastball velocity matters. He also threw the four seam more. And if you watch the game, he threw the four seam high more. And I think that, like, I don't know if he commanded it high more or if they swung it at high more, or if the game plan was like, oh, we're going to swing at these high pitches. His four seam doesn't have a lot of ride. So he's not the kind of guy that you might expect to throw high in the zone. So maybe they thought, oh, we can 
we can hit this fastball. So we're going to swing at the four seamer. He, he threw 36 four seamers and they swung 18 times. They missed five times, which is a lot, kind of a lot for a four seamer. So I don't know. I, I, I was a little surprised to see how much he pitched high in the zone, how it was 95 instead of 94. I think maybe he came out there and pitched the game of his life. <laughs> I mean, I think that's totally. Totally. And and Kershaw was down a tick in velocity, right? Yeah, so he was. which makes the Dave Roberts Ozuna situation Take him to out me. Earlier. He's coming off the back and it's a left hander. Yes. Freeman just hit him. Come on, take him out. And this is the thing about Kershaw. If you look at the uh, his history, his strikeout rate in the postseason is the same as the regular season. His walk rate is only a little bit worse. His homer rate is double what it is in the mm-hmm. regular season. And when you look at when he's been used, a lot of times they don't take him out in the seventh. They don't take him out the eighth. They don't take him out in the sixth. A lot of times it's, and maybe it's related to A, Dave Roberts, B, the other managers, C, the bullpen is not always good enough to take him out that early. The and front D, office. D, the front office. E, the idea that you have a Hall of Famer on the mound, so why would you take him out early? You know, And a lot of times he's like doing pretty well until that moment. But given that you know this now... <laughs> I mean, you know all this now. You've seen the history. And you can say with some, like, certitude, we should take him out earlier. Yeah. yeah. And then you leave him in for Marcelo Zuna. I agree. I don't know. But the the Dodgers had three hits. So I I don't want to turn this into a Kershaw bash fest because how do you win a postseason game with three hits? You don't. And, I mean, Kershaw allowed nine hard-hit balls. So, yeah, there was plenty of evidence there. Oh, hey, maybe we should take him out. He's just not, doesn't have his best stuff today. I I think part of the problem here is the circle of trust in this bullpen. Even though there were guys that put up good numbers in reasonably low leverage situations throughout the regular season, when the game is on the line, the list of relievers that this team trusts right now is unusually short for a team that has resources like the Dodgers do. And a fair amount yeah, of similarity between point. them. Gratterall, Floro, Trinan, super sinker guys. Yeah. So yeah, that's a great point. I think the, the question then becomes, where do we go from here? I mean, the Braves come away with a huge win. They're up 3-1 in the series. They're left with the same kind of decision that the Rays had in their game five. Do you bullpen it, hope you keep it close, and then pull the lever, switch the train over to the, the A relievers if you're Atlanta, if you have the opportunity to do so? and then try to just keep everybody fresh? Or do you say, let's go for the kill. Let's push Max Freed on short rest and, and see if we can get out of here in five. I mean, I, I don't think that's an easy decision to make, by the way, because you mentioned this before. You know, It's not like Max Freed is just going to be himself for sure on short rest. There's a very good chance he's less than himself on short rest. They said, nope, we're not doing it. They're not going to do it. They've confirmed that. Yeah, I think that's the better choice. Dustin May is going game five. But how many innings? That's a great question, too, with May, because, I mean, when we were talking about Wilson yesterday, I thought it was going to be a miracle if he went more than three. I just, based on past usage, regular season performance, Dustin May can stretch out a lot more than he's been stretched out in the postseason. I would assume this is a situation where you try to let him go as far as possible. You're not worried about six and seven with Dustin May. You're just hoping to see game six and seven by starting Dustin May in game five and giving yourself that potential advantage over Atlanta's bullpen plan. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, it's kind of evenly matched because Atlanta has a good bullpen, but we've seen the effects of they've had to use their good relievers. You know, they've had to throw some of these guys in spots, and, and a bullpen game is hard to recover from. So I think tomorrow's game, like, the issue with Dustin May, though, is that they've done so much, like, herky-jerky with him, right? Hey, you're going to pitch in relief. Hey, we need you here. Oh, you're going to start here. And they knew about Clayton Kershaw's back before the series started. So I don't know. It's not as easy as people think to get in that mindset, right? Like, when did he know that he was starting tomorrow's game? Tonight? I don't know. I don't think that can be discounted either. How, 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 how many pitches can he give them? It seems like they have a, a definitive amount of innings that he can go. They already have it pre-planned, it seems, and they're not telling anyone, but, you know, maybe Dave Roberts, what the plan is. Well, we just know that Walker Bueller is not part of that situation, right? Right. Yes. Walker Bueller is not available tomorrow. I mean, he was warming and then, you know, he, Turned it into a bullpen session, but he's not available tomorrow. Right. He would have been an interesting guy to come out of the bullpen if they were winning or it was a tight game, but also speaks to Derek's point that there's that small circle of trust. They're now plucking guys out of the rotation because they don't trust anyone in the bullpen. All right, so prediction time. As you look at these uh, last couple games of the NLCS, the Braves have a 3-1 lead. Do they win the series? And if so, when does this series come to an end? We'll go to you first, Britt. I think the Braves are going to win this in six. Um, yeah, I, I, the Dodgers have a lot of holes, which is unusual for a team that added Mookie Betts this winter and got better. But they just, they just can't get it done in the playoffs. They, they, I don't see the Dodgers winning. I think tonight was the turning point. They absolutely stole one. I'm trying to come up with the the pathway, right? So the pathway is May shoves. Um. They they still have, you know, Trinan and um, Jansen. They I mean they 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 have some guys they can use along with May. So they win that game. Then Urias, Bueller, Bueller you go Bueller in six. You have to go Bueller. Yeah, Urias would go in seven against Ian Anderson. You'd go Bueller versus Freed. <sighs> Bueller versus Freed and Freed's on full rest. And Bueller has that blister. Oh, God. And he wasn't showing the good command. No. I saw the roadmap before they lost this game. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm trying to see the roadmap. From the very beginning, something you brought up when we first talked about the series, that because of the way the Dodgers pitching staff is built, they need to win in the middle of the series because they have such a big advantage there. And that's why and this was the game. This one getting away was a really bad loss for them. And a few other things have kind of gone wrong along the way, of course. It's not hopeless. That's that's a lineup that we at the very beginning of the series, the thing I said is these two teams, they could score runs at will against anybody. You know, these these could be slugfest the next three days. You could tell me the Dodgers are gonna win these next three games, they're gonna win seven, six, ten, seven, and five, four. And I'd say, Okay, sure, that makes sense. Like they have the offense to do it. They have a bad enough bullpen when fatigued. To give up runs like that, they've got enough question marks right now for the series to play out that way. So I, I just think they're going to have to do it in a kind of atypical way for the recent Dodgers unless Walker Bueller's blister is less of an issue and unless they're able to get a lot more mileage than 
a lot of us are expecting from Dustin May. I, I don't think any of us are doubting Dustin May's talent. I think when we watch Dustin May, we're like, this dude's amazing. Why doesn't he strike more guys out? I think it's a question of how long they're going to let him pitch, how long he's going to pitch well, and whether or not that's going to be good enough to limit the strain on the relievers. Do you think the Dodgers are capable of not losing another game? Absolutely, yeah. They could win three in a row against Atlanta. But I don't see a realistic roadmap. And the roadmap would be, except May shoves, but then they have to use a fair amount of relievers because they, they already use May. And it's not like May's going to go seven or eight, right? So then they use a bunch of relievers. And then they have to go against Max Freed on full rest. And let's say Max Freed, it's a pitching duel, you know, and, and Walker Bueller pitches his brains out. They still have to use some relievers. <laughs> you know, Eno's very conflicted. I and think then you, you get should... to game seven, and I love Julio Rios, but then what relievers do they have available? Because they just had to win two games. So, uh, as much as I was thinking the Dodgers, I guess I think it's Braves Rays. All right, I'm going to stick with the Dodgers. Uh, I, I realize I'm facing a massive a uphill battle. I look, I, I picked them in seven. At the beginning of the series, so take you it. You got to pick a reliever MVP then. Some reliever is going to have to just be incredible. Floral. No, Floral pitched tonight. Jake McGee pitched tonight too, right? So he's trying. It's got to be trying or Jansen. Jansen, that'd be kind of fun. Jansen, that would be the one cool thing is if they did come back and Jansen pitches like four innings over the next three days. And everyone has to be like, well, you know, Jansen's still a pretty good reliever. Yeah, if he comes back a little rested, gets the tick back on the cutter and is good. I, I feel bad when we rip on Kenley Jansen because I like him. I, I think yeah. he's a likable player. I, I want him to be vintage Kenley Jansen for a flash here just because it's fun to watch him when he's on his game. But they need something like that. They need an unexpected spark in that group to bridge the gap unless they're getting some miracle complete game sort of performances from you know Bueller at, at game six and Urias in game seven but again I think you're asking way too much if you're expecting something like that just given the state of Bueller's hand like that blister is clearly an issue for him yep well you picked I them. agree I picked him I'm sticking with it look <laughs> hey I, I'm sticking with the Astros too I'm, I'm a lot of things and most of them aren't good, but I am loyal, and that's important. So, <laughs> no, what uh, you know, maybe for Bueller, it's good news that he pitched a whole game, then he pitched a bullpen today. You know, maybe maybe the 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 blister is doing better. Maybe the command will be better because he's had that game and he had the bullpen. So, if if uh, so, when's Bueller? Bueller's he would be game six. six. If so they, they, get they there. win game five, Bueller is capable. Of like seven innings, no runs. Oh yeah, it, it's in his range. It's it's there. It's just yes. You feel like it's even less it's likely like, though, given yes. the way he's pitching the postseason with the bad finger. It's like Kershaw. He's at ninety percent right now, and you just don't know what you're gonna get. And it all depends on the bats in the end, right? Because like, let's say Bueller goes seven innings, shoves, no runs. But the bats don't do anything. Then you're still like maybe one nothing, and you have to use all the A relievers. And then on game seven, you're like, oh, sorry, you're gonna have to go back to back to back to back to back to back. Sorry. I still think the offense could just get him out of it, and, and the pitching could be less relevant as a result. Not irrelevant. It's gonna matter. They're gonna have to have run prevention to keep the Braves from scoring eight plus runs offense. themselves. But the the Dodgers' offense is good. Offense is more correlated to postseason success than pitching. So. There you go. 
Thank you. They, Thank you they, for that's, putting the that's exclamation your path point to on success. it. That's, that's, that's what I'm hoping for. That's your path to success. The path to success doesn't matter as much about the pitching that I'm worried about. It's about Corey Seager going ham. And Corey Seager's been going ham most of the year. So He had three hard hits and no hits today. So It's about Tomorrow Mookie Betts be waking up. will be interesting. Mookie yeah. Betts waking yeah. up. Yeah. Well, good news for us is uh, we are off for the weekend. Hopefully, everyone will enjoy <laughs> these games, regardless of I the outcome. I need some sleep. Everyone needs sleep on this show. <laughs> we're By the end of the week, we're on fumes. It's been a lot of fun doing these. We're going to do them, of course, through the World Series. But, uh, yeah, Friday night and Saturday night are two nights off. So, we'll have World Series predictions and a bunch of stuff to begin next week. If you're joining this podcast on a platform that allows you to rate and review it, please take a moment to do that. We'd greatly appreciate it. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get a subscription for $1 a month, theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. As always, you can hit us up via email, ratesandbarrels at theathletic.com. You can find us on Twitter. She's at Brit underscore Giroli. He's at Eno Saris. I'm at Derek Van Riper. That is going to wrap things up for this episode of Rates and Barrels. We are back with you on Monday. Expect a special guest over the weekend. Thanks for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.